Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 26 of Off the Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all very, very much for joining us today. Wherever you're listening in from, I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, massive Friday here on the podcast and some great chats coming your way to help keep you entertained over this weekend and help celebrate Father's Day. We're going to start with a fantastic interview I had with Dolphins team member and world championship medalist, Jess Hansen. Caught up with Jess a few weeks ago and discussed her recent change in programs. Rob brought that about. Early days in the pool, as well as her awesome career so far with all the highlights and learning experiences along the way. And it's definitely one you'll get a lot out of, that is for sure. So grab a drink because, hey, it's Friday, so why not? And that's cordial for all the kids out there listening. And get ready because Ep 26 with Jess Hansen starts now. Take your mind. Away they go. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a metre on Van der Noosen's hand. But the signature of all eyes is the great Madam Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. Oh, he's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats, Phelps in the black hats, and Phelps has got it. I cannot believe he's done that. Thorpe's in front. Joining me today on the show is a woman who has been a part of the Australian team now for the past four years. She has represented our country at Com Games, Pan Packs, and World Champs, picking up medals at Pan Packs and World Champs, both short course and long course. She is without a doubt one of the most popular swimmers on the team, and it's a massive welcome to Off the Block Swing Podcast to Jess Hansen. Jess, how are you going? Oh, good. Thank you. Most popular on the team. I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> yes, you are. You are. I think you're just humble about it. But I, I certainly sure. uh, rate you as one of the highest, um, most popular people on the team, mate. Where have we caught you today? Uh, I'm in Canberra. So saying hi to ScoMo and all those people. But no, I'm in Canberra. It's meant to snow this weekend. So I was just about to say, no I mean, I'd rather be. I'm in Sydney and it's freezing here. I can only imagine what it's like down in Canberra this weekend. Yeah, nah. When when people complain about the weather, like from the Gold Coast and even on the coast now, I'm like, you have nothing to complain about. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Now, mate, before we kick off, um, I just want to check in with you and, and see, obviously, we know you're in Canberra. So in terms of training, I'd heard that, you you know, you may have changed programs is that true? And if it is, what, you know, what brought the change about? Where are you at at the moment? Uh, yeah, so it is, it is true. Um, I have just moved programs. So I've been in Canberra training with Shannon Rollinson um, at the AIS for two weeks now. Um, mm-hmm. What brought about the change is at the start of this year, um, my coach from Nunwadding, Scott Talbot, he... Um, announced that he would be moving to the UK in August Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like okay that's fine after the Olympics after Olympic preparation I can I can handle that Um, and it was that was to do with family and he was taking a job there and uh, those types of things Um, and then COVID hit and so for a long time there it was like so are you going are you not going Uh, and it took a while to figure out what was going on and then um, he came back to us and said that he was still um, he was still going to go. So he probably leaves next week 
or very soon anyway. Mm. And so when that happened, I said, okay, well, this is my chance to look at other programs. Um, so on in between like the Melbourne lockdowns, yeah. I didn't realize we were going to go into the second lockdown. So I came up here to Canberra, um, trialed with Shannon and then Melbourne went into the second lockdown. So I was like, well, I can't go back to Melbourne in case I want to get to Brisbane, um, which was my second program. So I went up there, um, trialed there, spent a lot of time with lots of friends because all the swimmers are in, in, in yeah. the sunny state. Living the dream up in uh, um, warmer weather. <laughs> yeah. No, like, this is so cold. This is not cold, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then, yeah, made... <laughs> yeah. And then made the decision that um, Canberra would be would be my place for the next year or so. So now I'm back and um, yeah, just getting into the training and trying to find a place to live and those types of things. So just getting settled. Yeah, very nice. Now, obviously, we, you know, with all of that sort of uncertainty, what's training been like for you during all of this? Obviously, we've had lockdowns. You were in Melbourne. Melbourne, um, you know, unfortunately, and my heart goes out to all the people in Melbourne because, uh, you know, all the stuff that they're going through at the moment, I don't think Sydney or even, you know, Queensland can really understand it. But what's it been like for you at the moment with your training, uncertainty around stuff? Have you been able to still stay active, still stay in the pool, keep it ticking over? Um, yeah, so in, in the first lockdown, um, my partner and I, we went straight down to the coast in Melbourne and so for, and I got him a wetsuit um, for his birthday, which was in February, but I bought it for him in when the first lockdown happened. Um, so he was very excited to swim in that. So we did a few swims in the bay down in Melbourne, but that was very cold. And then one day it just dropped like significantly. And yeah, yeah. so we'd go every now and again, but it was very cold. Um, but I was, we had a pretty good gym set up. So I was still doing gym and, running and bike riding and those types of things. So just staying physically active. Um, and then we got back in the pool and then by the time I'd left with everyone was back in the pool. Um, so training was kind of okay. Um, and now I'm, I've been through this kind of process that I've been through and training's been different because I've, I've had so much emotional and mental things going on. Like I left home thinking that I was going to go back in 10 days time and I haven't gone back and it's been almost two months now. So um, just like trying to deal with the homesickness and comprehending what I'm going through has been a challenge, but um, all the coaches that I've worked with have been very understanding. So um, that has helped. And in the end, I'm just trying to be um, really easy on myself in a way of saying, it's okay that you're feeling the way you are. Um, you're just going through the process and you'll, you'll come out the other side stronger. And um, I've learned so much about myself through this, through Mm. this process. So um, I know it's all going to be for the best and I'm in, in, in the right place for me for the next year now. So. Absolutely. Well, it's always, it's always harder to see the end of the tunnel when you're in the middle of it, isn't it? So it's, you know, I guess that's sort of where you're at at the moment. You know, there is an end to it, but you just can't quite see it. In terms of Melbourne, you've got family there. Is everyone okay? What sort of, you know, is everyone all right back at home? Yeah, they're okay. Like I wouldn't say that they're loving life. Um, yeah. I think the second lockdown has definitely taken its toll on people. Oh, sorry. Um, right. And um yeah so they're taking their toll like 
it's just being everyone being trapped. But I'm glad that some of the squads can still train. So mm. Nana Wadding and Vic Center, I still have, believe have access to the pool. So um, if they had got locked out for a second time, that would be pretty tough. But then I'm also thinking about all the other swimmers from from smaller clubs and um, the age group swimmers and stuff. And I, I really feel for them. So I do feel guilty that I somehow got out. I didn't plan for it. And I, yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't expect it to happen, but I, I almost feel bad that, that I'm not there. Yeah. I've <laughs> so, got to ask, all safe in there. how did you feel getting back in the pool after such a, a lengthy break? Obviously I know you tried to get in the, in the cold water down there god bless you but you're braver than me i wouldn't have touched it but you know how did you feel when you first got back was it easier or was it harder than you thought it would be um oh i didn't think it was that bad i i think because when i was in year 12 i took uh i probably stopped for eight months during year 12 and so to come back and i came back in end of january and then I swam nationals in what March or April or whatever it was. And I did a PB. So I knew that um, you can get, you can find your feel and get your form back as quickly as you want to. Like it's up to you um, how quickly you get back to it. So, um, but Scott was really uh, gentle, I guess you could say <laughs> in the way he um, introduced it back in and we started with three sessions and then four and then, just progressed up so it, it wasn't actually too bad um and we didn't have the whole squad initially like we only had select few of us just because of restrictions and and things like that but maybe some of me also wasn't ready to go back i was <laughs> i was just starting to enjoy the covid lifestyle but it is much better to be swimming again and um having your goals in sight and, and working towards them again so that's that's fulfilling i guess Mate, before we get to uh, the early days of swimming for you, I noted in my research that your sister Georgia is an elite athlete herself in her own right, representing Australia, running, I think, in the 1500. How supportive are you both of one another, given that even though it's a different sport, you know, you both um, definitely put a lot of pressure on your minds and your bodies. You can empathize, I guess, with each other and what you're going through. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting um, dynamic and especially when I was at home, um, there was a lot of times where I would have such a big day of training and she would have such a big day and we'd both be so ratty at each other and we just couldn't really comprehend like what the other person had done for the day, even though we'd both like <laughs> done something similar. But it is kind of cool having a sibling that, understands what you're doing and you understand what they're doing and um not necessarily the physical things but the mental and emotional uh input it takes um so that's that's kind of cool and i can explain some training concepts and she knows what i'm talking about and i can ask her questions about her training so um yeah it, it hasn't always been all supportive and roses and lollipops and rainbows and all that type of stuff it's definitely um, we've definitely grown to to connect more and support each other more, but we're in a really good place now, and um, she's she's doing really well considering COVID restrictions for her as well. So yeah, we're we're doing our best. If the roles were reversed and you were running and she was swimming, how would you go? Well, growing up, our parents just said you've got to do like every sport 
you want to do. And so I grew up doing a lot of running and she grew up doing a lot of swimming and a lot of basketball and she did hockey and I did tennis. Like there were so many sports that we participated in. So I reckon it could have easily very, very much swapped. And the reason she didn't go into swimming was because I was swimming. <laughs> um, I, I, maybe, I'm not really sure. When I think back, she always liked to do her own thing. Um, but I did running all through school, but she's definitely better than me. Like she can just watching her run is magical. Like it, she makes it look so easy and I don't definitely don't look that good when I run. <laughs> hey, take me back to when you were younger, when you first started out in the pool, what drew you towards swimming? What was it about training or, or being around that team environment that you enjoyed the most that you wanted to get involved in? Uh one of the one of my earliest memories was a coach that I had at a small club in Melbourne called Ashburton Swimming Club, and she was never really about how fast or hardy or how long you're training for, but it was all about technique and and doing the small things right, and that really resonated with me. And I remember Mum was telling me actually not that long ago she was saying that um, Jess, you you have always been so. Uh, pedantic about the technique and doing it right you'd say after races it doesn't matter how I swam mum did I look good (laughs) and so I think I always really enjoyed the challenge of the technique and the skill element of it and then I had really good friends in swimming and that's what eventually drew me towards swimming more than other sports that I did Uh, and then it became about oh I want to see how how fast I can go and how how good I can look doing it at the same time. Maybe that's why I'm a breaststroker. I don't really know. But um, yeah, then it, then it slowly progressed to how fast can you go or how good can you be? And that's pretty much been the, my purpose for it since. Like I want to know that when I finish swimming that I've done the best that I can and I'm the best version of myself doing it and I've gotten the most out of myself that I feel at, yeah. at that point in time. Did you have any heroes growing up? Any sort of idols that you looked up to? Um, I wasn't really a swimming nerd. Like I watched the swimming, but I didn't really, um, like love the swimming. Like it's Liesl Jones. She was always a big one cause she was a breaststroker. Brooke Hansen as well. Cause I was like, Oh, maybe we're related, but yeah. we just, um, <laughs> our last names are pretty much the same. Like maybe we're related. Um, but then like, now that I think about heroes and who are the people that inspire me, they're more the people that I have around me day to day and I know them and they know me and they're more of the people that inspire me to be better and, um, yeah, and those types of things. So mm. I don't think I've ever really been a massive heroes type of person, so to say. Yeah. As youngster, um, you know, a lot of swimmers are coming through and they're struggling with certain things, might be nerves, but before a race, it might be with nutrition. They're not eating enough, not fueling their body, might be trying to keep up with sessions, but a lot of different things sort of, um, you know, play a part in, in sort of age group swimmers coming through. Was there anything that you sort of struggled with as say a, a 15, 16 year old coming up that it took time to, to learn to get a hold of? Uh, yeah. And I think the interesting thing when you think back on like age group swimming is that when you look at the people on the open team on the Australian team, you think that they have just got there because they're good and that they haven't gone through all these challenges as well. But 
they have like all these things with nerves, with um, motivation, with eating, with fueling, with recovering, like the conflict within squads, the conflict with coaches, like there's so many challenges and those people have gone through them as well. So um, I think that's something that like when I, talk to age groups and I'm like, I've, I've been through it too. Like you, you have to go through it to get to where you want to go. Like it's, it's part of the journey. Um, but my biggest challenge um, was probably in year 12 where I did have that conflict with a coach and um, he wanted me to swim more and more. And at the time I was like, Oh, I want to swim less and less just so I could balance year yeah. 12 out. Um, and so in the end, I just kind of dropped my hands and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm just going to go do year 12 because that's where I am right now. And um, so that was a pretty big challenge because for a long time there, I didn't think that I was going to come back. Um, and so I was like, oh, is it, am I done swimming? Am I not done swimming? And it was just all a bit up in the air. And um, so that was a big challenge. But like I said, I've, I've done them all. I haven't had a serious injury, which I'm very grateful for. So um, I look after my body as best I can now. So hopefully I don't get any in the future. Yeah. Um, Knock on yeah. wood. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a great takeaway though, mate, in terms of, especially around year 12. I know I'm coaching a few swimmers that are probably six months away from, uh, or sorry, three months away from going into year 12. And then you know, obviously it'll be next year. And I think it is important that that becomes a priority for a while, as you said, because Swimming, as we know, you know, it has a very long lifespan now. We probably didn't think it used to, but these days, you know, swimmers are competing at age 30, 31, all these sorts of, you know, numbers. It doesn't really, number is just that. It doesn't really make you uh, any more or less likely. So I think, as you said, a great point just to make sure you're focusing on what you need to and, and don't worry about the rest. Yeah. I also think, thinking back to that time, the thing that I could have done better was definitely communication. And especially as a young female, you're not like quite sure how to, how to communicate that with your coach. And especially when they're an older male, it's quite intimidating. Mm. Um, so I think just having some strategies to communicate how you're feeling and, and what you want to achieve at that point in time is a really, really important thing to do. Um, yeah. So that's, that's what I would probably do differently if I if I could have my time again but then again hindsight I, I don't know if I'd be here today if that was if I had done that well so yeah true very true in terms of um meets did, did you struggle with anything during a meet I know talking with a lot of age group swimmers on here at the moment who went to junior worlds last year and their last year's uh, national age program was massive like I was just I was shocked when I was like writing down you know, some of them had like eight or nine swims and that was just, the, that was just the heat. So they were, you know, they were doing um, heats and finals and they were doing their relays. And so it was a lot of, you know, racing, big programs. Did you, you know, go through anything like that? Did you suffer with nerves and stuff like that? Well, I, I never had the problem with the big program because I was just the breaststroker. Yeah. So <laughs> I sometimes dabbled in the IM, but I never, I was never battling too many events. Yeah. Um, I definitely struggled with nerves and try and acknowledging that they were just there and it, they're going to be there no matter how old or how experienced you get. Um, the other thing that really challenged me was, um, 
my parents used to like say like white line fever. Like sometimes I wouldn't want to race and like really have that fire in the belly and something in me just hadn't quite clicked there. And I had that for a few years in my age group swimming and my parents were like, well, Jess, like, what, like why don't you like want to win? And I was like, Oh, like, I don't know. <laughs> and, but now I'm like, Oh no, I want to win. So the fire like developed as I kept going and, and grew into it a little bit more. But um, that's probably something that not many people would talk about and like to admit. Um, but yeah, I, I, I struggled with that for a little while because I wasn't, didn't actually know what they were talking about and mm. I didn't have the balls to ask what it was or, or anything like that. But um, I definitely know what it is now. <laughs> in 2016, you made the Australian team for the World Short Course Champs in Canada. What was that experience like? I think that was your first team and, you know, your first sort of big meet. Did you learn any lessons there? Did you take anything away from that meet that helped you, you know, into the future? I think the biggest thing when I think back to that meet was the, um, I had just missed the Rio team. So I was so, so shattered that I wasn't on that team. And um, for a few months there, I didn't really want to swim. I didn't want anything to do with the people that were going to the Olympics. Um, even though like four of my squad members at the time were going to the Olympics and I didn't really want much to do with it. Um, so I think having that and then uh, Ro came back from the Olympics um, and he was saying that he was stepping back from coaching and Scott came in and I didn't really know what was going on because I wasn't really coming to training that often and, and things like that. So, and then eventually I found my groove again and then made that team. So I think for me, the story behind making that team and the, the turnaround to get there um, is what I think about most when I'm, when I think about that team. Um, but it just exposes you to the international racing and, and you don't know the people next to you and you don't know how fast they're going to go or if they're going to go out fast or they're going to come back fast or, um, or anything like that. So it's a whole different ball game when you get there. And I think it was a really great meet to be a rookie on because there was, there was so many of us that were rookies, maybe like 11 or something. Um, and I was on a great relay team and we won a bronze medal, which was really, really cool. So um, yeah, there was a lot learned and then a lot that I used and leveraged going forward for sure. In terms of racing, um, do you have a, like a pre-race playlist? Do you listen to music before you, you get on the blocks? Oh, I don't because I'm, I just like, um, I try to like not have too much stuff. Like I'm already carrying my goggles and cap and then a spare set of goggles. Like if I've got to carry my phone and my like <laughs> earphones and like, it's just too much stuff and I'm an accreditation and then you've got to take off all the stuff. Like I'm just like, ah, keep it simple. Like don't, don't need that stuff. Um, but I just, I listen to whatever, like I, I get pretty, um, up and about for racing anyway. So if I'm going to listen to anything, it's probably the slower music to just calm me down, keep yeah. me present, um, those types of things rather than the, yeah, motivational stuff. What do you like in marshalling before a race? Are you sort of cool, calm and collected, keeping to yourself? Are you very chatty? And does that change depending on what sort of a meet it is? So, for example, if it's obviously an Australian Championships to make a team and you're in there with a lot of your friends, so you're probably a little bit more chatty. Whereas, you know, if you're at a World Champs or something like that, where you're in with a lot more, you know, of your competitors, are you a little bit less and a little bit more reserved? Mm, interesting question. I think 
I think it does change, but the challenge would be to not let it change and to, to be your natural self and um, where do you get your energy from? Is it from being cool, calm, collected and not talking to anyone or is it from talking to other people and um, engaging? Uh, I think I'm a little bit of a hybrid of both, to be honest. Like I really like talking and I like seeing what people are up to and it takes my mind off what's going on and, you know what I mean, you can really stay present in the yeah. moment when I'm doing that. But then there are also times where I like to turn around and go, okay, like what am I cues for this like first little bit or um whatever it is um and that's where nerves come into it a lot because they probably gravitate me towards more the don't talk to anyone um being your bubble rather than just be have your natural energy um and let that dictate your pace and and how you're feeling and and those types of things mm. mate 2018 pan packs i'm assuming by this stage you've done a pretty good job of getting all of that stuff together because you have for you know from an outside looking in a pretty breakout meet there for you for more reasons than one you win a gold medal with the girls in the i am relay and also individually a silver medal in the 100 breaststroke behind lily king what was that meet like for you in terms of you know your own thoughts because as i said that's just from the outside looking in looking at the results watching you do it i think well it's a you know this is a big meet for you how sort of confidence building was it for you uh, oh, yeah, it was massive confidence building um, moment, especially because I had, was doing all this work and I wasn't seeing it translate into any of the racing outcomes. Um, so this, that was kind of one of the first competitions where I was like, oh, yeah, this, it actually does add up and, and work. But I also learned that it is like so, so much about your mental um, and emotional state at the time. and the thing that this, um, I have taken away from that meet was um, Jan had just passed away, um, Scott's mum, mm-hmm. and also my partner's um, grandpa, who he was like so close with, also passed away. So, And it was all within probably two weeks of each other. So I just, I really got a like really strong sense of the value of life and how precious it is Um, and it gave me this perspective when I got to racing that really lifted a lot of weight off me so when I got to racing um, I just let it happen and it just almost seemed euphoric like the whole five-week campaign I was just kind of doing it and Mm. just it just like I was just going through the motions and Mm. um, and that's what I that's what happened when I race as well I just let my training do what it needed to do um, and then in last year, uh, that I wasn't in the same flow state, you could say, um, like with the campaign and leading into it. And then that translated into my racing in a way. So, um, you can get it right. And then the next year, like it's not necessarily going to play out the same way. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's challenging bringing the, the, things that you've learned and then applying them, but then something's always going to be different. And yeah, so it's, it's all a big challenge. But 2018, that was a Pampax. That was, that was a good, good campaign. Yeah. One thing from that is, was the takeaway for you? And I don't, I can't believe I'm going to say this because it's a swimming podcast, but <laughs> that swimming wasn't as, you know, the be all and end all because of the stuff that you'd have been through the two weeks prior. So almost, 
you know, not the weight of expectations, but you kind of, you know, let all that go. You're just going to go out and do your best. You realize what was important in life and it was family and friends and, and experiencing that rather than, you know, if you don't swim well, you're less of a person, which can quite often happen to, I would imagine you guys at your level, but I know I see it at a junior level too. And I think just relax. You're still a very good swimmer despite whatever's going to happen. Is that the takeaway for you? And then, you know, fast forward a year later, is that something that you sort of, I guess, you know, because you weren't in that same situation, you went back to, you know, putting the pressure on yourself a little bit more? Um, yeah, it, it definitely is. I couldn't have said it better myself. You summarise that very nicely. Um, it's, it's funny because the year later, you, you are like I can remember that learning and I can remember the, the mental state that I was in. But there were other things that popped up which deferred me from being like and being present in in that kind of, um, I don't know, mental state. We'll just call it that. Um, I know what you mean. Yeah. And then, um, but yeah, it it definitely is a big challenge because you invest so much of what you're doing like every day and you make so many choices that, are all based around swimming and being prepared for training and being prepared for racing and those types of things. Um, that when you come to race, what a one minute and six second race for me, like it's a lot of, a lot of investment into that one minute and six seconds. And when it doesn't go the way that you have trained for or anything like that, you do, you're the, you're the harsh, I'm my harshest critic for sure. And you can think that you are a lesser person and, I'm not a good friend and I'm not a good partner and I'm not a good daughter. Um, mm. And because I didn't do the minute and six seconds the way that I trained to, but mm. if you can dissociate them as best you can, um, and it takes time, but uh, you got to start with the little things. So I remember in 2019, I swam the semifinal of the hundred brushstroke and I, no way did I perform to what I had was capable of doing or what I would have liked to do. Um, and I missed the final. And I remember waking up the next day, and I was rooming with Emma McCain. So that just is never fun because she just kills it. <laughs> um, but I remember I was like, okay, just today, just be a little bit better than yesterday. Like be a good teammate, just be a little bit better than yesterday. And I just kept doing that all throughout the meet. Every day was just a little bit better, a bit better. And then by the time I got to the relay, I kind of built myself back up and was okay like what am I doing for this relay like this is this is for Australia this is for my teammates this is for me Mm. and I executed a significantly better race um which uh, helped us win a silver medal but yeah yeah you see you you just gotta you gotta detach it and then keep building from what you what you do know I guess yeah well you know I obviously see it with the juniors but you definitely would would get uh, a bird's eye view in terms of being around a lot of other athletes. Do you see that happening, not just within yourself, but other, you know, athletes probably putting at times too much pressure on themselves to perform and not seeing the bigger picture that, you know, if they, as long as they do their best, that that's okay, that you don't have to, you know, overcomplicate things a little bit because as I said, I definitely see it in the juniors. I don't think necessarily you just all of a sudden become an elite athlete and everything's gone. There's still struggles along the way. And what advice would you have to the juniors that are listening that, you know, might sometimes get very nervous and put a lot of pressure on themselves? 
Um, yeah, well, it's, it definitely happens no matter what stage of your sporting career or swimming career you're at. Like it, it's always going to be there. Um, the advice I have would probably be more around what are you doing outside of your life? And so for me, it's always been, I mean, outside of swimming. Yeah. For me, it's always been about balance. And if, um, if I'm swimming, there's always other things going on in, in my life. So I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket. And then if I go to a swimming race, I know that there's, I've got my university degree. I've got my friends and family. I've got my hobbies. I've got all these other things which make me, me. And that swimming is just a small part of that well, big part for now, but mm. it is just a part of me. And then I think that helps me bring me back to the perspective element of it. Um, and so when you can do that, you can, I feel like I can accept my nerves and acknowledge them for what they are and then go, it's just a swimming race. I've got all these other things in my life as well, which make me, me. Um, so it's not really about in that moment, what do I do, but setting, setting it up for that moment, if that makes sense. Yeah. hundred percent. Now your coach, Scott Talbot, who's, you know, just recently, uh, well, he's about to head over to the UK, obviously has been a big part in helping you, you know, learn those things and progress. How exactly do you think he's helped you most in, in your career so far? And what made that partnership work so well, do you think? Uh, it, Scott and I was definitely um, the, a collaboration. Like it was him working with me and I'm working with him. There was, uh, um, there was a lot of trust. Um, there was a lot of honesty, but we also did have our, have our tips from time to time as you're going to. Um, but I really felt like we were on the journey together and um, I was learning from him and he was learning from me. So it was in the end, he was the coach and sometimes he made the call and I was like, yeah, that's, you say jump how high and I'll do it. Like yes. that's, that's what we've got to do to achieve my goals. Um, and so I think that's what really worked. We were both learning and growing at the same time. Um, whereas when I started swimming with Roe, I was coming off that eight month break. He coached how many successful brushstrokers and swimmers in general. I think he had so much to teach me. And so I just listened and learned and listened and learned. Whereas Scott, there was a lot more, Oh, what about this? What about that? What do you see here? I feel this. There was a lot more of that dynamic happening. And I think um, that allowed me to take ownership like of what I was doing and understand the value of taking ownership of what you're doing to get you to where you want to be. In terms of your training, do you have a favorite session of the week? I'm not going to say favorite set because I think sometimes you know, people get bored of sets and plus sometimes it's not always easy to remember your favorite set, but do you have a favorite session of the week that you enjoy to, you know, you get a bit of a spring in your step when you know that sessions on that day. Um, and I mean, you can say recovery be. because a few <laughs> other swimmers have said recovery sessions. <laughs> yeah. Recovery also gets boring. So yeah. not always recovery. Yeah. I was going to say, it's never going to be a gym session, <laughs> <laughs> but you got, to do what you got to do so yeah. i still do it um <laughs> no i like i like the quality sessions and i probably more the hundred pace quality stuff i enjoy and especially when you're feeling good and you're ready to go like that's that's really fun um sometimes i like the 200 
like training sessions as well because yeah. you can really work yourself to find the the tempo especially in breaststroke um and and you have to hold your stroke so i like those ones but yeah to be honest i'm not that picky i'll there's always something you can work on in every session so that's the thing that i'm probably more excited about than the session itself if that makes sense yeah, hundred percent, it does. Uh, mate, Com Games on the Gold Coast. What was that experience like for you? Because I can imagine, as an athlete with a home games, it can go sort of one or two ways. You can sort of harness the energy and the excitement and use it productively, and you can go out and just kill it. Or the energy and excitement, you know, can get a little bit too much and get the best of you, and that weight of pressure can, you know, show through in in the results in the pool. What was that experience like for you, like swimming-wise? I'll get to outside of the pool in a minute, but swimming-wise, what was it like? Oh, it was shocking. I have, like, Com Games was not a good experience for me at all. And I think, actually, I know I trained so hard and I did everything in my power to be in the best physical state to perform at a home Commonwealth Games where everyone was watching. My family was going to be there. Um, it was a home Commonwealth Games. And I was, I'd put months of like intense training and discipline into to being ready to go. And so much so that I went the other way and I like overtrained and I was um, way too lean for, for my body type. Um, and I was swimming at, energy deficiencies left right and center like it was crazy um but i it's only with hindsight that i can look back and go that that's the experience that i had but it was really frustrating knowing that every time i went to swim that there was more but i couldn't get it out of me yeah um so i almost just got to a point where i was just like i'm just gonna just keep swimming like that's all i can do like I didn't even get nervous for the last races because I was like, well, I'm just, all I can do is swim. Like, um, but yeah, so it was not a good experience. And I learned, like, I learned so much in, in over those couple weeks. And then how quickly I had to turn it around for myself for Pampax only a few months later. Um, mm. I think that was a true testament to what I had actually learned and that I put into place. Um, things so that I didn't get back to that to that place again what about outside of yeah no well I think you definitely did a great job of that as we already touched on the Pampax um, silver medal and and obviously the relay success so you definitely picked yourself back up and, and got on with the job outside of the pool what was it like the Commonwealth Games you mentioned there the family was there you know the, the stands were packed everyone was cheering if you had a, a yellow cap on they were cheering. The NZ swimmers that I talked to actually say if there was no Aussie um, swimmers in the race and they walked out, they got the big cheer as well just because, you know, NZ's not too far away. What was the atmosphere like? Yeah, it was really cool. And I think everywhere you went with the Australian uniform on, um, people were like, oh, you're on the Australian team and, and be really excited for you. So um, it was really fun. And being in the village and, and all those types of things was really great. But the, in terms of the crowd, it's funny because everyone's saying the crowd is going to be mental. But we'd been in Budapest for the world champs the year before mm. and the Hungarians for any Hungarian swimmer was just mental. Like <laughs> you could not hear yourself think when that stadium, I don't know how many people were in there, but 
I've got goosebumps thinking about it and I'm not yeah. even a Hungarian. Like yeah, it was yeah. nuts. I think going from that to Com Games and everyone like saying there was a massive hype for it and then it was a outdoor stadium, probably half the number of people. It it wasn't as loud, but it was cool that it was for you as an Australian. So mm. maybe it had the same impact. Did the roof blow off when Katinka Hotsu came out? Oh, it was nuts. Like <laughs> crazy, like crazy loud. I can't even describe it. Like the MCG for a home, like AFL grand final, yeah. Melbourne versus, I don't know, Collingwood. I don't know if it would get that loud. Like it was so loud. Hey, do you have any uh, funny stories around the athletes' village? Did you bump into any, you know, people from other countries, any um, athletes from other sports, anything? In- any interesting stories from the team nights out after the Commonwealth Games ended? Because I'm sure you've had a few nights out where you got on the dance floor and enjoyed yourselves. Well, they're stories, but what happens on team stays on team. Yeah. I can't, I can't share anyone else's stories. Um, no, but it was really fun, and it was good to celebrate with the team. Like afterwards, um, did I bump into anyone? I don't know, but it was cool. The other day, I was going into the medical here place here at the AS. I saw Nick Kyrgios, so that was kind of cool. Very nice. Behaving yeah. himself, was he? Always. Oh, yeah, always. I walked in and walked into an appointment. <laughs> yeah. Now, mate, I know you're a part of the Australian team leadership group, which, you know, must be a massive honour for you. What's it like being a leader amongst, you know, some of the best swimmers in the country? Oh, like you said, it is a huge honour. Um, there's I, – I, when I applied and put myself forward for the position um, – I wasn't really sure. Actually, I knew why I was doing it because I, I believed in the Australian team and I wanted us to get to a really great place where uh, we were working cohesively and effectively and we were um, high performing, I guess. Um, and we allowed people to be create an environment for people to perform when the pressure is really on. Um, so that's why I did it. But when I, I don't really think I feel like a leader it's just me doing what I'm passionate about mm. and um uh, for me it's all about the relationships and and getting to know people for who they are um and that's definitely more than just the swimmer um so yeah they're phenomenal swimmers in the team and some of them inspire me every day um but to know them for more than just swimming is probably the coolest part mm. with it all and that's being a leader or just being on the team um, yeah. or just being around them. Like that's, that's the cool part. No, I think you hit the nail on the head and it's probably something that makes you um, such a great leader is that you don't see yourself as a leader. You're just doing what you need to do and you're just leading from, you know, example, I guess, rather than strutting around with a badge on or something going, you know, I'm a leader. I'm, you know, obviously I do, you know, just from this chat, I can see you're not like that. You're just someone who's going to go in and do the right thing, get the job done, cross her T's, dot her I's, and then hopefully that, you know, the team will see that and obviously follow suit. Yeah. I think, I think it just comes back to doing your best and what's who, who is the best version of you that you want to be and, and living that every day. So that's just, that's what I, I strive to do. Mm. Mate, stepping away from the pool for a bit, I know you study, how far away are you from finishing 
Um, uni. I'm done. You're I've done. just finished. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, so I finished How exciting. at the start of this year. I know. So where, where do you go from there? Obviously, I know you've got a long swimming career still, so I'm not, you know, throwing you under the bus and saying, like, just that's it, you're done now, you move on. But do you have sort of one eye on the future in terms of, do you have sort of a job that you, you'd love to get stuck into once swimming dies down? Um, yeah, so it, it was, my goal was always to finish swimming um, and finish my uni degree at a similar time that I could finish swimming. And so... It was always going to 2020 and I just had timed it so perfectly. And then COVID, (laughs) hey, COVID came. Um, So, but I think with this next year in mind, there's definitely, um, and it comes back to the balance part again, like there's always going to be something else outside of my life, which I'm doing and having that career progression is extremely important to me. So I'm working at the moment to um, look for a part-time, part-time position somewhere here in Canberra. Um, I did exercise sports science and business. So a very broad, broad Mm -hmm. um, degree. So I'm looking at more of the business um, side of it. And who knows? I'm just talking to people at the moment, just trying to pick their brains on what they do and and trying to figure out where my passions lie and interests and and finding something that fits in with my swimming because swimming for the next year is definitely the number one priority. But to get something that can click into place and kind of tick along at the same time um, would be, would be really great. And then, and then who knows where after next year will take me. Mm. Well, I mean, it's, it's important. And that, you know, going back to what you mentioned before to the young swimmers, the advice that you gave is to always have, you know, things on the outside of swimming that you're, you know, you're looking at and you're excited about as well. So you know, you, you're not just sort of pigeonholing yourself and going, I've got a year of swimming to do. I'm just going to get stuck in, you know, credit to you. You're out there and you're sourcing, you know, obviously some, whether it's part-time work or casual work or just experience in the field. So mate, I tip my hat to you. That's for sure. It's, it's uh, not easy, but I definitely take your point. And I think it's important to, you know, keep, um, keep an open mind and, and keep uh, looking at other things to do away from everything though, not work. Not, what, what do you do to wind down? What do you do to relax? I mean, obviously, you know, from Melbourne, do you, you follow AFL? Do you get into the footy? What do you do to re- uh, relax? Uh, well, the football, that's um, my partner is very, very much into the football and he loves the super coach and stuff. So for a couple of seasons there, I had the super coach and, I knew all the players and all the rookies and all their scores. And I was How did you like, go? This is... Actually, I didn't do too badly. I was pretty competitive. Um, <laughs> so time-consuming, yeah, like, that thing, though, isn't oh. it? Like it's, I've thought about I'm a, more of an NRL guy being in Sydney, but I've looked at it and a lot of my mates do it. And they're like, oh, you, you know, it's just so much time and energy. I just <laughs> I don't have it. Oh yeah. I'm waiting for my partner to realize how much energy he's putting into it. But (laughs) I haven't told that to him to his face before. So this won't be new to him. um, Yeah. So I, I, but I am into football and I, I like following it and I could, I can sit down and watch any game, but it has been interesting with COVID with no spectators. I haven't found it as enticing to watch. Like Mm. I'm not as into it. Um, I, I enjoy reading and I think that's something that's really picked up after school. And, um, yeah, in, in 2018, um, I, I 
don't know if I dubbed myself or I got dubbed by everyone else, but I was like the team librarian. <laughs> I was just handing out books left, right and centre to anyone that wanted to borrow them. Um, but I do really enjoy reading and I managed to get a book club with some of my friends. So that's, oh, nice. that's kind of fun. Um, what books do you enjoy so, to read yeah, most? Stories or like true stories? What, what do you like to read the most? Oh, uh, I'd go for anything really. I think, I think the beauty of reading and when you start to read more and more is that you can find things to take from fiction, nonfiction, like you can always find something to take away and, and learn from, I guess, like, which is a bit silly if you think about fiction books, like sometimes like Twilight, <laughs> but you never know. Like that's, that's the beauty of it. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I really enjoy reading. Well, mate, on the theme of reading and what you like to get up to, I always like to finish our chats with some less serious questions, sort of rapid fire. I throw it out to you, whatever first pops in your head, you throw it back to me, um, you know, just okay. to see what you, what you like to get up to at home, what you listen to, what you watch, all that sort of stuff. So what's your favourite type of music? What do you listen to? Um, the radio. <laughs> Not picky. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, that's fine. That's pretty much all I listen to these days as well. Uh, what about favorite yeah. movies? Uh, romance ones. Um, Notting Hill. Oh, they're the ones I try and avoid. I um, yeah, I was uh, so I was cranky. Uh, I think it was Valentine's Day this year. They had um, was it the Notebook was on, and I just made sure that I was very busy that night when it was on because I just. The girls in the house were watching it, of course, but I just, I can't do it. Yeah, no, nah, I'm, I'm a sucker for that stuff. <laughs> what about, obviously, being a reader? What, what books would you recommend that people get around? Oh, man. Um, I actually just read um, Phil Jackson's book, 11 Rings, and that yep. was off the back of watching The Last Dance. Yeah, how on, good was that? Um, Oh, so good. And I think I watched it and I was like, I want to know more. Um, and so Phil Jackson's book was, it was fascinating. Like it was a really nice mix between the basketball elements, um, his coaching philosophy and how he handled the big egos and the big players, um, as well as his journey and his um, spirituality. And, yeah, and he it was quite eccentric at times, wasn't he? Yeah. And that was very much not the way of NBA coaching, coaching in general mm. when he was coaching. So it's, um, it's interesting how he stuck true to his character when there was, when there's so much pressure and like influence going on around him. So I really enjoyed that. Um, I also just read where the crawdads sing. I've got my books just sitting there. That's why I'm looking. Um, and I, the, where the crawdads sing, that was, that was beautiful. Like so, so poetic and just, yeah, it was really nice. Very nice. What about favorite meals? Obviously, swimmers enjoy to eat. They need to fuel their bodies. What do you like? What's your favorite thing? What's your go-to? Mm, my go-to. Uh, well, I've just, in COVID, I was really working on my cooking and I got a slow cooker. And so mm. I made this slow cook mussum and curry. That was really good. I was, was so good. impressed with myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was <laughs> impressed <outside>. yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not too fussy, but I like a curry. I like salmon. I like pasta. Yeah. But 
the muscle and curry. I'll never forget that. If I can recreate it, that'd be great. <laughs> I've been smashing dumplings lately. I've been loving the dumplings. Oh, I don't mind dumplings, but you bite into them, the hot water, like burns my mouth. That's the best bit when it all just explodes no. in your mouth. It's well, my favorite. Yeah. But you've been to a few countries. What are your favorites? What are your favorite countries to visit? Mm, Budapest. That's a really great city. Um, mm, Australia. Like, mm. keep it Aussie. We yeah. have the best country ever. Um, I also really like skiing. So, Austria, like, anywhere there where there are mountains all i've really wanted to do is go to canada and do a ski season so maybe after my swimming i'll i'll be able to get over there and and do that i have no doubt at some point you will mate what about uh favorite tiktoks what what do you watch do you have tiktok do you watch the stuff i don't even know i can't explain how tiktok works because i don't watch it but i know a lot of the young kids do so what do you have it do you watch what do you like to watch i've actually I had it for about two days and I was like, I need to get rid of this. And I did. And I haven't gone back. So I was just wasting too much time, but I just do, I just watch the TikToks when they get onto Instagram. Cause I'm thinking that they would be the best TikToks if they've made their way to Instagram. So yeah, I just watch them on there. Smart. If they end up on my feed. <laughs> you, you are very, very smart. Finally, mate, what about favorite quotes? Are you someone who enjoys quotes? Have you had some that coaches have given to you that you, have stuck with you? Um, yes, the one that has stuck with me, and I still battle with myself with it a little bit, and I think it might be from Star Wars. I'm not, I'm not really sure. I've never seen Star Wars, but do or do not, there is no try. Mm-hmm. And there's something about it where you, it's like this wholehearted just commit to it, and if yep. you, you just got to go, and if you fail, you fail and that's, that's okay. Like, um, you did it, but you didn't do it. So I always meddle with myself about what it means and what it means to me, but there's something about it, which I like. No, I like that one too, mate. I think it's definitely one people uh, should be writing down. I think it's a great spot to, to wrap it up there. I want to thank you for uh, coming on for a chat. So I said, I know you're busy at the moment down there and you, you're back into training and you're going through a lot with changes and moving and, and all that sort of stuff. So I definitely appreciate it. Good luck over the next months with training and ultimately going on to try and secure your spot for 2021. Fingers crossed that still all goes ahead. Who knows where next year is going to go? Uh, I certainly want the preview to the calendar before we... Um, before we buy it because i just don't know which next year's going to go but that's the beauty of life isn't it um i digress Uh, hopefully we get you on for another (laughs) chat next year mate and see how you're tracking but until then thank you very much for coming on off the block swimming podcast thanks robbie thanks for having me no worries today's episode of off the block swimming podcast is proudly brought to you by our good friends our pro swim workouts Don't forget to head over and check out our YouTube page to catch all the fantastic interviews you may have missed from season three so far. Go there, like and subscribe to stay up to date with all the latest news from the podcast. Keep your podcast fixed right here this week as we still have heaps more stars coming your way and you will not want to miss a minute of the action. Until tomorrow though, guys, have a great day. Remember to smile and laugh, please. And it's bye for now. Oh, 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 oh,